the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTBN, Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. Hey, you know what we learned from this? We learned that, that even the strongest spiritual leader needs God's help. There, there's nobody in my estimation who is greater than, than Paul. No, no mere human being in the history of the church greater than Paul. And yet he very humbly says, I, I need your help. Pray for me. I struggle with this like everybody else. See, spiritual leaders are, I believe, special targets for Satan. Because if a spiritual leader falls, he, he takes everybody else with him. If a spiritual leader is, is discredited, it adversely affects so many who look to him for leadership. According to the website BibleHelp.org, surveys show that the average Christian spends about 15 to 30 minutes a week praying. Now, personally, I think that might be a little generous. Even so, that statistic could have something to do with why so much of the world is still unevangelized. Yet we sometimes spend as much as three hours in just one day in front of the TV. Now, why is that? Certainly prayer is much more work than watching the television. But many Christians spend several hours a week on Christian projects, yet only a few minutes in prayer. The effort isn't what deters us. Satan deters us. We are in a spiritual battle, and keeping us from praying is Satan's scheme for disrupting the army of God's command and control system. Hello, this is Peter Silseth. I'd like to welcome you to Verse by Verse. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff is directing us in a study of spiritual warfare taken from Ephesians chapter 6. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, where he has been serving since 1981. In Ephesians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul listed the various parts of the armor of God. For the past several weeks, we have been considering what spiritual truths Paul was imparting as he listed each of the pieces, as well as how we can apply those truths to our own lives. Then, after he finished the list, Paul went on to describe the ingredient that makes all those parts work together and keeps us connected with our Commander-in-Chief. That, of course, is prayer. If you are following in your Bible, keep your finger there in Ephesians chapter 6 and turn to Luke 18 verse 1. Jesus has a parable for us that will show us how important it is to be persistent in our prayers. Now here is Pastor Steve with our lesson. In Luke 18 1, Jesus said that at all time men ought to pray and not lose heart. Persevere. And then he gave us a parable, very interesting, because this is, this is easily misunderstood. He gave us a parable that illustrated perseverance in our prayers. The story is, is of a wicked judge who had a widow come to him, and this widow was asking for protection from her enemy, legal protection. And he didn't want to grant, he didn't want to listen to this woman. But you know what? She didn't go away. She kept coming back every day, every day. And you know what? Finally, she just wore the guy out. 
She persevered. She nagged and pestered him until finally he gave up. Not because he really wanted to grant her request, but because he didn't want her around, around him his whole life. Now, what was our Lord teaching by this? He was not teaching that, that God is like this wicked judge. This is not a parable of comparison. This is a parable of contrast. God is not like that wicked judge who gave in to the woman's nagging. God does not say, you know what? You are bothering me and you're nagging me. How do I get rid of you? Here, this is what you want. I, I, finally, you, you nag me. And God is not like that. God is, is not reluctant to answer our prayers. He's loving and kind and willing to grant our requests. But we need to persevere. Why? Because his sovereign timing is perfect. We don't, we don't always know the right time. God knows what's best. He doesn't always grant our requests at the moment we first ask. He has your best interests at heart. I thank God for all the times he didn't answer my prayers at the time that I asked them. God says, persevere and be constantly dependent upon him. But most of us are too quick to to quit, too quick to give up. If we don't see something answered immediately, we just stop making that request. Persevere, write it down. If you believe it's biblical, you believe that this is what scripture teaches, then do not give up. Check the motives of your heart, but do not give up. We are to pray like this and we're to pray for all believers This is the way we're to pray for everybody, not just when we're in trouble, but for all believers. Why? Because all believers are at war with Satan. That's what he's teaching here. All believers are at war with Satan. So we're we're all under attack and the struggles and the trials that our fellow believers are going through demand that we not give up. You can't give up. We're at war. You don't leave the wounded laying there. The Marines never leave anybody behind. We don't leave anybody behind. We always are praying for them. And that's why Paul gives the fourth way that a prayer warrior prays. Prayer warriors pray with variety. Prayer warriors pray in the spirit. Prayer warriors pray with persistence, but also prayer warriors pray for all the saints. We pray for each other. By saints, he means fellow believers. Notice the end of verse uh, verse 18. Be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Did you see all the all there? All the saints. When Paul instructs us to be alert, folks, it's for the purpose of praying for other believers. In other words, be aware of the struggles that other believers are facing so that you can persistently pray for them. That's what he's teaching. Now, does that mean that we should never pray for non-Christians? No, there are other scriptures that speak about that, but that's not Paul's point here. His point here is that only Christians are undergoing spiritual warfare. We're the ones who are attacked. That's the point of Ephesians 6. And you see, persistent praying that we do for others pertains to the battles that they're facing. Well, what are the battles they're facing? Listen, this is extremely important. You and I, as Christians, need to know what our fellow believers are going through. Sometimes they don't tell us. We ought to be open. We ought to be transparent. But you don't have to be too bright to figure out that what some people are going through. You see, what, what are some of the typical things that believers are going through? Somebody mentions to you something that happened in their life. You can pick up on a bad attitude they have towards someone. So what do you pray for? You diligently pray that they would forgive that person. I mean, you tell them as well, but you diligently pray for them that they would forgive the person who sinned against them as they struggle in this area. You can figure out someone who's tempted to give in to moral impurity. They might share that with you or they've shared it in the past. 
Now, you don't have to be with a person very long to figure out that somebody has a problem with pride. We all struggle with pride. Some people just don't know that they have a problem with pride. But you're with the person, and, and in two minutes, you pick up on that. Same thing with someone who has a negative and critical spirit. Nobody tells you, you know, I have a negative and critical spirit. But you're with a person, listen, it doesn't even take two minutes, 30 seconds, and you can figure that one out, so you pray for them. They're the people always complaining about things. Nothing's ever right. So you pray for them. Somebody's wrestling with integrity. We all know people want to cut corners. And yeah, you can do this, even though there's a law that says you can't. You can do it and get away with it. That's the person you confront about that as well as pray for them. So you see what I'm talking about. Each of us has battles that are raging in our lives, sometimes a little more, uh, more in- intense than others, but temptations and trials and difficulties. And we need to pray not only for ourselves, but for our fellow believers. That's the way we win the war against Satan. We pray for God to help our brothers and sisters in Christ in their battles. And I might add an important thing to take note of. It is certainly not inappropriate to, to pray for the physical needs of others. But you know, most Christians are praying only for the physical needs of others. If you look, every Wednesday, a prayer list comes out in our church, and by and large, 99% and almost 100% of those prayers on both covers, on both sides, are about physical ailments. Is it wrong to pray for physical ailments? No, it's not. But I'll tell you, I think it's wrong to only pray for physical ailments. The priority in Scripture is about our spiritual needs, not about physical ailments. If you examine the way Paul prayed for fellow believers, you will discover that he prayed for their spiritual growth. He prayed for their wisdom and understanding. He prayed for their patience. Let let me show you Colossians chapter 1. If you want to know how to pray for others, this is a great model. This is a great model. People had physical problems in those days, a lot more than we have today because they didn't have the great medical care that we have. But Paul didn't pray for those things. Colossians 1, beginning at verse 9, he says, For this reason, since the day we heard of it, he's he's talking about their salvation, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. That means, Lord, I pray that these people would know the word of God. I pray that they would be spiritually astute and well-informed. And, and notice he says, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, not just factual, not just Bible information, but that these people would have wisdom, that they'd have spiritual insight and understanding. They know how to apply the word of God, how to implement it into their lives so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Lord, I pray that they'll walk in a way that honors you to please him in all respects, bearing fruit. Lord, I pray that there would be fruit of character developed in their lives. In every good work, I pray that they'll be involved in good works that bring glory to you, righteous works, increasing in the knowledge of God. Watch this, verse 11, strengthen with all power. Lord, I pray as they go through these these persecutions and physical ailments that they might be strengthened by you according to your glorious might for the attaining of steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father. Lord, I pray that no matter what their physical ailments uh, might be, they might give joy. They might be joyous. I pray they might be steadfast and patient. I pray they might give thanks to you. Folks, that's what we're talking about. So yes, it's all right to pray for physical ailments, but think beyond the ailments. How's this person responding to this physical problem? Are they being negative? Are they grumpy about it? There, there are some people who are just so sour about everything they're going through. Or 
Are they being joyful? Are they handling this with the right attitude? Are they being steadfast? Are they being self-consumed? This is all they're thinking about themselves. See, that's the kind of stuff you ought to be praying about. Pray that they'll be thinking about others. Pray that they'll be steadfast. Pray that it'll be a good witness for others as unbelievers observe how they handle this. In fact, Paul not only taught this, he modeled it himself. You go back to Ephesians 6, you'll see that Paul went on after teaching us about prayer to request a prayer, to make a prayer request on his behalf. It's very interesting. We will read the prayer Paul requested in just a minute. It's found in Ephesians chapter 6, 19 through 20. We would like to pause a moment and introduce ourselves to those who have just tuned in and maybe missed the start of our class. You are listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve has been serving for more than 26 years as the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. The Bible quotes many wonderful prayers. One of the most remarkable, in my opinion, is in Acts chapter 4. When the Jewish leaders threatened the Christ followers, the church did not ask for protection. Instead, they asked for boldness in witnessing and that God would do wonderful things through Jesus. I'm sure they were concerned for their survival, but their desire to see the name of Jesus proclaimed and glorified was so strong that they didn't even mention their physical concern in this prayer. Here in Ephesians, Paul asked the church to pray for him in a similar way. Let's listen now as Pastor Steve comes back to us with God's Word. Verses 19 and 20, he said, And pray on my behalf. He says, Pray for all the saints, and that includes me. Pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. It's very interesting. Paul wrote this while he was in prison. Yet he didn't ask for them to pray for his release and he didn't ask to pray for his ankles that must have been raw and bleeding from the shackles rubbing against the flesh night and day. No, he just asked them to pray that that God would help him to be bold, to be a bold, faithful witness to preach the gospel. See, that means that Paul must have struggled with the devil just like we do. He must have been tempted to be silent and thus escape persecution for preaching the gospel. He must have been tempted to be discouraged and disheartened by so much resistance to his ministry. He must have been tempted to soft-pedal the hard doctrines of Christianity so that uh, he would not arouse so much opposition. I'm talking about lordship and and the resurrection and and repentance. and, And maybe, Paul, you throw in a little bit of law and you get all the Jewish leaders on your side. Or maybe you leave out the resurrection and the Greek philosophers love you. But Paul didn't do that. He said, when you pray for me, pray that I'll be faithful. Pray that I'll be bold. Pray that I will speak the gospel as it should be proclaimed. Now, you know what we learn from this? We learn that that even the strongest spiritual leader needs God's help. There's nobody in my estimation who is greater than than Paul. No no mere human being in the history of the church greater than Paul. And yet he very humbly says, "I, I need your help. Pray for me. I struggle with this like everybody else. See, spiritual leaders are, I believe, special targets for Satan because if a spiritual leader falls, he he takes everybody else with him. 
If a spiritual leader is, is discredited, it adversely affects so many who look to him for leadership. I'm, I'm always amazed when I consider that Charles Spurgeon, when he was preaching, the great Charles Spurgeon, every Sunday morning, 70 of his church members would, would go to the basement of the church in London, and 70 members, while he was preaching throughout his message, would pray for him and the power of his ministry. That's amazing. That's a thrill to hear about that. And is it any wonder that though Spurgeon has been dead for over a hundred years now, that his ministry continues? There are people still reading Spurgeon today. Uh, websites filled with his sermons. Books still coming out about Spurgeon. Uh, most, ev- most astute evangelicals know about Charles Spurgeon. Is it any wonder that when he first came into prominence, the man who said, I I believe out of jealousy that he's just a a shooting comet. He's a meteor. Here today, gone tomorrow. Is it any wonder that we still know about Spurgeon and nobody remembers the name of that man who said such a foolish thing? So I ask you, in light of, of Paul saying, pray for me, pray for your church leaders. Pray for them. Pray for the elders. Pray for the deacons, deaconesses, staff. Pray for all of them. Pray for ministry leaders. Pray for them by name. Pray for them specifically. Ask them what are some of their their struggles as they seek to be faithful to Christ and ministering to you. And you know what that that implies too? When Paul says, in fact, more than implies, I think it's in many ways the heart of this. When Paul prays or says, pray for all the saints, he means that it cuts across barriers. Don't just pray for the people you know. Pray for those who you may not know as well. It, it cuts across all barriers. I think what Paul means in this context is that slaves need to pray for owners, slave owners, and slave owners need to pray for, for those who were slaves in the church. And Gentiles need to pray for Jewish believers and Jewish believers for Gentiles, the wealthy for the poor. How we would apply it is to say that uh, praying for all the saints means that those in the, in the youth group, for example, pray for those who are our young marrieds. Those who are young marrieds, pray for those, let's say, uh, who are in the uh, school ministry. Those who are in the friendship class, pray for those who are in the college and career. Those who are in the college and career, pray for those in the friendship class. And that's how it goes. Say, well, how do I get to know them? That's the point of being part of a church. You make an effort to get to know others. You're not just locked into your own little age group. Pray for others. So we need to pray to remember for each other in the battles that we're facing. And that requires honesty as we admit struggles. I realize you may not be free to admit it to everybody, but there certainly ought to be some people in your life you're close enough to be that vulnerable to. And as I said before, even those who don't admit what they're going through, it's not that hard to pick up. You can, you can pick up on that. And so I ask you this, what is your prayer life like? Is it something you just say, well, I'll get to it someday? Do you have much of a prayer life? Now, you ought to certainly have a quiet time. Paul didn't even address that here. Jesus did speak about that in Matthew 6. He said, when, when you go to your prayer closet, pray this way. And certainly indicating that we ought to have a, a set time and a place where we get away to pray. But that's not what he's talking about here. Here he's talking about prayer throughout the day. All kinds of prayer at all time, all kinds of prayer at all times with all perseverance and for all Christians. That's a lifestyle. Folks, if you find yourself defeated, 
and you've been studying about spiritual warfare, then you have to ask yourself, what kind of a prayer life do I have? Start today by making changes, not tomorrow, today. Pray today as Paul instructs us to. And that requires discipline. That requires that you're going to do it. You're going to implement. You're going to make changes. Now, if you don't know Christ, there's only one prayer that you need to concern yourself with, and that is the prayer of salvation. Because the scripture says, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You don't know Christ. You know you're a sinner. You know he died for sinners. Then you need to turn from your sin and trust him to save you. And we're willing and available to help you in making sure you understand properly. But, but this is a message really for believers. We, we, have, we are concluding now our series on spiritual warfare. Don't forget this, these truths. Embrace them. Apply them. Be on guard. Don't let Satan use you in the lives of other people, in the lives of this church. And make sure that you're praying fervently for one another. Let's bow for prayer. I'm going to give you just a few moments to reflect on this. You speak to the Lord about this. Make any changes, cries of repentance, and then I'll close in prayer in just a few moments. Father, thank you that in coming to know Christ, we enter into a relationship, Lord. It's not mechanical. It's not religion. It's not a code. I thank you that our relationship carried on through prayer and I thank you that there's not one set structure of praying a certain way but help us Lord to pray with all kinds of prayer thanking you praising you adoring you and everything else petitioning you and to pray at all times Lord may we always be in your presence in one sense we are but help us to consciously be aware of that Lord help us to pray with all perseverance to not give up if we're biblical in our prayers to never be arrogant, but to simply follow what your word says. May we be strengthened to do that. I pray for those now who may have been praying for something for a long time and perhaps they're a little weary. Lord, strengthen them that they would persevere. And I pray that you'd help us as a church body to pray for one another, to cut across the lines of Sunday school classes and, and age groups, and to care about one another, to take the time to know what one another's prayer requests really are. Lord, and I thank you for allowing us to study this wonderful portion of Scripture for these weeks spent in study and teaching and learning. And I pray that you'll help us to recognize what the battles really are and how you have provided for our protection. How gracious you are, Lord. And I pray that that when the dust settles and the arrows are flying at us, Lord, and everything is finished and done, we'll still be standing firm with all the armor on and our trust in Christ. And we pray this in his precious name. Amen. Amen. I hope you found this series of lessons about spiritual warfare as profitable as I did. God provided us with all the spiritual protection we need when he gave us the armor that Paul described here in Ephesians chapter 6. But as we have learned, we need to put it on practice using it, and maintain our lines of communication with our Commander-in-Chief, the Lord Jesus Christ. One area where I know we can always improve is in our prayer life. Let's make that a priority. Thank you for joining us for another verse-by-verse Radio Bible class. Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida has just finished giving us 
a training course in spiritual warfare. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside, where he has been serving since 1981. These radio versions of his messages come to you through the work of Verse by Verse Ministries and this fine radio station. Verse by Verse Ministries is a faith ministry assisted by the prayers and gifts of interested listeners like you. Today's lesson was the conclusion of a three-part message. To hear the entire message, you can order a CD or a cassette by calling us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we will return your call during weekday office hours. That number again is 727-441-1714. Today was also the conclusion of our series of lessons about the armor of God. You can listen to today's program or any of the previous ones in this series at our website, versebyverseradio.org. That's versebyverseradio.org. This is Peter Silseth saying so long for now. I hope you'll be back for the next Verse by Verse as Pastor Steve embarks on yet another passage from God's love letter to us. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's Verse. We are here to give you strength between. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.